Thanks for being here. So to be completely honest, I have tried to start this probably five or six times, and this is actually my second time recording this again all the way through. So it's going great. It's going great. Um, yeah, I don't have any kind of intro or catchphrase or tagline yet or anything. So you just get this awkward intro for now, but it's okay. We're learning, you know, it'll get better. But yeah, hi, welcome to A Walk in the Parks, a podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening. I had a lot of people hype this up uh, when I announced that I would be doing this. So thank you for being here um, and supporting me. Um, Yeah, so to kind of start off, I wanted to talk about who I am, why I decided to start this podcast, uh, what to expect, my background, things like that. Uh, because I know a lot of you probably know me, you know, it's, this is a very small podcast as of right now, but, um, yeah, it's just, just good to know these things. So yeah. So about me, hi, I'm India. (laughs) I was born in Northwest Arkansas. That's where I currently live. Um, I've lived in the Northwest Arkansas area for pretty much my whole life, um, spare a couple years that were spent in Southeast Texas, which is where my parents are from. And then I lived in Utah for about a year and a half. So yeah, love it out here. love Arkansas. We moved to Arkansas about a year ago. Um, My husband and I, Jonathan, we've been married for two years. We got married in August of 2020. Um, And we actually honeymooned in Arches National Park. Um, And that kind of started a, I want to say a craze, (laughs) might be a little too harsh of a word, but kind of started a love for us um, of national parks and just spending time outdoors and appreciating just the world around us. Um, And so we actually made a goal to visit all 63 national parks before our 10th anniversary. So we're two years in, we just celebrated our second year. couple days ago and we have already been to 19 of the 63 parks so roughly a third so it's pretty good pretty good start um and yeah we just we love them and I personally love history and learning about like kind of like the more random little bits of history that people don't tend to talk about a whole lot um in school. So I um, went back to school last fall. Um, I'm pursuing a degree in interdisciplinary studies with focuses in anthropology, history, and communications. Um, So far, I love it. Anthropology has been um, kind of a surprising newfound like love for me. Um, I, to be honest, (laughs) decided to study it because I thought it sounded cool and archaeology sounded cool. I was doing anthropology and archaeology at first and loved it. I still love archaeology, but um, decided to make the switch to kind of broaden my portfolio a little bit, uh, potentially make this degree somewhat usable with just an undergraduate degree and not needing a master's, you know. But 
yeah, that's my focus. Um, anthropology is a big deal. Um, love learning all about humans and uh, where we came from, um, why we are the way that we are, why, you know, just why, why everything. It's super fun. And then history, I've always loved history. Um, and then communications, I just thought would be good experience to have in the real world. And so, yeah, this podcast was a way to kind of engage all three of my interests in college. So, yeah, we'll see where this goes. We'll see how far it goes um, or how long it will last. I'm about to start a new semester where I'll be taking six classes. So it's going to be a little, little hectic over the next few months. But I still plan on having an episode every week on Mondays. So, yeah. Um, as far as future episodes, um, I plan on featuring a national park every week. Um, I also want to have, uh, episodes that are revolved around listener stories. So I am working on getting a website up and running right now. Um, it'll hopefully be up within the next week. And on that site, I will have a anonymous submission form. Um, and I would love to hear from you if you've had any crazy experiences out in national parks. Um, that could be getting lost in the woods. That could be animal encounters. That could be paranormal reports and encounters uh, from like ghost stories, Bigfoot, alien. <laughs> I don't know. Faye. Like any, I don't know, just any weird stuff. Like I want to hear about it. Um, I personally was lost in the woods as a... 13, 12, 13 year old. I can't remember how old I was. I was either 12 or 13, but I was lost in the woods on a church hike at night uh, with a friend for like two hours with no cell phone, nothing like that. So I'm, I'm fine now, <laughs> obviously. But um, anyways, I think those stories are super interesting. So yeah, keep your ear to the ground for that. Um, that'll be coming hopefully soon. And as far as the structure of these episodes, um, so I am doing a deep dive on every national park and the history involved with it. Um, it will, what I talk about, it'll be the things that I found that were personally interesting or noteworthy. Um, of course, like there are tons of resources out there if you want to learn more. Um, I'm also considering doing something where I like, list all my sources and maybe suggest other sources that maybe I didn't talk about in the episode somewhere. I don't know if I'll do it like just on Instagram or if I'll have it on a website or if I'll make a Patreon. Still trying to kind of work that out. But I plan on talking about the history. I also plan on talking about the indigenous history because I think that's very important because I feel like, um, you know, when we think about the history of America specifically, a lot of times we just hear about the white settler history and not so much the history of the indigenous people who lived here long before we did. Um, so I, I plan on incorporating as much indigenous history into my content as much as possible because I think it's important to recognize. And they also just have really interesting and amazing stories and like, I just, I don't know. I think it's really interesting to learn about other religions and theologies and folklore and, you know, so I hope to include that as well. 
And then I will try to also include any interesting stories that I find about the parks, whether that's ghost stories, true crime, you know, paranormal related things or UFO sightings or things like that. And then I also want to talk about like just little tips and tidbits. Um, if I've been to that national park specifically, um, you know, what to expect, what to, what to plan for, um, suggestions, things like that. And also conservation tips because, you know, leave no trace. It's important, but yeah. So with that, I am just going to start off with talking about, um, the history of Moab. The city of Moab was originally founded in the mid-1850s as a Mormon mission, but it was abandoned later that year after a conflict with uh, the local uh, Ute tribe. For the next 30 years or so, it was occupied by the occasional trapper, cattleman, and prospector, but more or less it was kind of a ghost town. There weren't a whole lot of people around um, all at once, you know, like consistently from what I was under, able to understand at least. Uh, more serious interest in the region was rekindled in the mid-1870s, and a settlement became established there by the early 1880s. It was nicknamed as the toughest town in Utah in reference to the harsh landscape, drastic temperatures that peaked dangerously in the summer and ruthlessly dropped in the winter, and the outlaw gangs who sought refuge there, among which was Butch Cassidy and the Wild Bunch. It is apparently also known for its abundance of fruit trees and melons, which started when Mrs. A.G. Wilson planted peach pits that she brought with her when she settled in Moab. Today, peaches, pears, apples, grapes, and melons are very popular there. Um, okay, so Arches was initially used by white settlers as a cattle ranch by John Wesley Wolfe from 1898 to 1910. It was later established as a national monument on April 12th, 1929 by President Herbert Huber, Hoover, sorry, well, Hoover, after six years of advocating from a local prospector by the name of Alexander Ringhofer, who wrote to the Rio Grande Western Railroad in 19, sorry, 1923, gushing about the beauty that the Moab area and what is now Arches National Park offered. Ringhofer led several groups of railroad executives on excursions and hikes into the park, who all left very impressed. Eventually, it gained the attention of government officials, who then sent out research teams to inspect the area and establish portions as a national monument. It remained a national monument until 1971, when it was finally established as an official national park. You can still visit what used to be the humble home of cattle rancher John Wesley Wolf also known as Turnbow Cabin in the park today. And then now I'm gonna kind of go into the indigenous history. So on the National Park's website, it lists, I had the most comprehensive list that I could find of all the tribes that are known to have some kind of history in the area. So I'm just gonna go ahead and lift, list those off. Uh, the Hopi tribe, the Kaibab band of Paiute Indians, Las Vegas Paiute, Moapa Band of Paiute Indians of the Moapa River Reservation, Navajo Nation, Paiute Indian Tribe of Utah, Pueblo of Zuni, Rosebud Sioux, uh, San Juan Southern Paiute, Southern Ute Indian Tribe, Ute Indian Tribe of Uintah and Ure Reservation, 
and Ute Mountain Ute Tribe. It is believed that hunter-gatherers first occupied the Arches Moab area around 10,000 years ago at the tail end of the Ice Age. Arches, Moab, and the surrounding areas are rich in chert, chalcedony, and microcrystalline quartz, which are ideal for making stone tools. To the trained eye, piles of debris from making these tools are still visible throughout, the ar throughout arches and the surrounding area, mostly around watering holes, where it is believed that ancient peoples once sat by the water making tools while watching for game. Uh, no indigenous dwellings were discovered there. Um, it is believed that people, indigenous people, did not um, live like in arches, like around the arches and the uh, rock formations. Um, it is theorized that they most likely just passed through uh, for ritual, like ritually or ceremonially or seasonally. Um, and I read quite a few different things talking about how, um, you know, very close to arches, there's like four corners, there's Mesa Verde, where you have these four permanent structures that we can still see today. And that's why they kind of think that no one really lived in arches, um, at least year round, because um, those structures would be there and would be visible, you know, so yeah. I read a couple of things that talked about talked about that and talked about how you know they very well could have lived there year round, but the evidence is no longer there. Yes, and then something else that I found super interesting was the idea that Native Americans viewed Arches National Park and the arches within as sacred. Okay, so now we're going to get into what I thought was super interesting and fascinating. Um, I came across a thesis um, from a student, well, a former master's student, I guess she's now a master's graduate, um, from University of Arizona titled Portal of Transcendence, American Indian Interpretations of Arches and Bartlett Alcove in Southeastern Utah. Uh, it's by an individual, I don't know if it's a male or female, so I'm just going to say they, them, but Haia Lim Lim, um, and this was written in 2017. Um, I'm going to read bits and pieces of their thesis. I just think it's super interesting, but it basically talks about how uh, multiple Native American uh, tribes believe that the arches in Arches National Park were quote-unquote portals through space and time, which really piqued my interest. I was like, what on earth does that mean? And it means exactly that. Um, they believed that these portals were, these arches were portals and that they were sacred. Um, and that is why it is believed that they visited arches ritually or ceremoniously or seasonally, you know, because this was a sacred place. This was sacred ground. Um, yeah. And in the thesis, throughout the thesis, it talks about how in Native American uh, theology and folklore, um, all things are interconnected. And that's what they believe. Everything's interconnected. Uh, time is relative, you know, or more of like a man-made construct. And yeah, so it's just super interesting. I'll just, I'll read little bits of this thesis. Um, this is from the intro. Uh, 
In many American Indian worldviews, the power of portal is often concentrated in certain natural and cultural components, such as arches, alcoves, caves, and peckings, and paintings on rock surfaces. And then... The spirituality of any entity is timeless, such that a story is reawakened and moved through linear time. In the full release of its power and its effect on the audience, the story is enlivened, such that the past becomes a part of the present, and the past and present is projected into the future. All three parts of linear time, past, present, and future, are a part of the American Indian circular understanding of a time continuum. So just super interesting right and then later in her their thesis i don't know why i said her their thesis um they talk about an ethnographic uh site-based analysis that was performed by the university of arizona um where they actually took out several members of various um, indigenous tribes to site-specific spots in Arches National Park and then recorded their history and their experience with um, those locations. So I'm going to read some of the, uh, some snippets from those interviews. And then the tribes that were associated with this ethnographic research project were the, let's see, the Pueblo of Zuni, uh, Southern Paiute tribes, the Southern Ute Indian tribes, and then within the Southern Paiute tribes, they also included two bands of Paiute Indians, the Paiute Indian tribe of Utah and the Kaibab band of Paiute Paiute Indians. Um, And it just says that these two bands are analyzed as a group because of their cultural affinities. So six different tribes. And I'm just gonna read a couple of the uh, recordings from this project because I think they're very interesting and I think they're pretty powerful told in the words of uh, the people from these tribes. So this is from a representative of the Pueblo of Zuni. We have this place that is called the Lookout in the Grand Canyon. It is a four wall site slash structure that has four windows, north, west, south, and east directions, and it has the same use as areas like this. They use that first structure to look into the past look into the future, looking to the directions where they can go. That structure was built by our ancestors. And when they came to these areas, here they had these arches. It has the same power, the same meaning. They use these as windows into the future to look into the direction they had to go. All the arches here, they all have the same power, the same significance, even if it is a very small arch that has that ability for people to look in. We came up while we were talking how our ancestors did it. It is Tudna Pi Kwai. Probably butchered that. And it means looking through. If you look into it, it is like looking into a glass. So it has that power, that ability to give our people the sense of where to go. Okay. And this is uh, also from the Pueblo of Zuni. The arch is not a pretty rock. It hosts something very significant for us. Because I mentioned that, if you look into the past and walk into areas like this and realizing our great-great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers also walked in areas within this place here, it holds a really strong bond with us because of that connection. Even though the sand shifted the footprints you cannot identify, for us they are still here. 
we consider our ancestors as part as being a part of this. They never left. The people that passed on that are making their final journey into the afterworld were left here. And so with that understanding that we still have a very strong bond to places like this because our ancestors are still here, their remains are still here, so we never want to break the bonds with our ancestors because the more we travel, the more we get that connection everywhere back together. Okay, this is from the Southern Ute tribe. The idea that arches could be portals could be possible. Humans have psychic powers, powers like going through a portal. It kind of reminds me of, I was just telling you about that cave over there, see it? In different parts up that way would be homes to little people. Different parts in the park, I was just noticing, there are some places that little people could live, and I think they are around. Maybe at night when it goes real quiet, I think that is when they come out. But as far as going into another dimension, it is possible that they were able to do that in a park that has arches. It means you go through a hole or something like this, and you get into another part of the world or another part of the dimensions. And that is how some of the old timers talk about things that happen. They would ask one another, where did you go? I went to this place, a hole, and I came out somewhere else. That is why we cannot find you or see you or anything. Yes, that is why I came back. There are many stories that people have about certain things, certain areas that people believe they were able to pass through different portals, pass through different time periods, also knowing they could go back and travel. Maybe that is why they, what they were talking about, what we call today astro travelers or even time travelers. They could talk about something that is going to happen in a way in the future that is how it is going to be for our people, for the people. Isn't that just amazing? Like, I thought that was so interesting. And, you know, I have been to Arches multiple times. Um, I mentioned before that my husband and I went to Arches um, for a honeymoon. I'd also been to Arches multiple times uh, before then um, as a kid with my family. And then my husband and I, right before we moved from Utah, we moved, uh, that's the last national park that we visited before we moved away from that area. Um, so yeah, I've been there a lot of times, but I just, I remember going there as a kid and seeing these arches and thinking about how they looked like little, like keyholes almost, you know? And so I think it's really interesting that there's that lore there, um, you know, cause like I, I can see that. I can see how, um, like where that line of thinking or where that belief um, could come could come about, you know? So yeah, I thought that was interesting. We, there, if you know anything about mythology and folklore, like just around the world, you would know that there are stories just everywhere of astro travelers and time travelers. So I thought it was interesting to hear stories of that from, you know, the area that we live in too. So, okay. So moving on, um, so when looking up things about true crime in Arches National Park, I was actually pretty surprised to find that there are, that we know of at least, or that I could find, uh, there have been no murders in Arches. Like no one that, again, that I could find has been kidnapped or murdered or anything like that in Arches, um, the park itself. I found that kind of surprising 
um, at first, but then I really thought about it and I was like, you know, Arches is very wide open spaces, you know, like there's nowhere to really hide things like that. Um, unless you did it at night and even then, like, it would be really difficult to like dig a grave out there. It would be difficult just like, as opposed to like other places where bodies have been found, you know, and people have been murdered in other national parks, like Great Smoky Mountains or Yellowstone or, you know what I mean? So I thought that that was surprising, but also kind of unsurprising. Um, I also thought it was interesting that no one has gone missing in Arches that were never found. Like anyone who ever went missing uh, in Arches was found eventually. Um, And like I said before, no murders have happened in Arches but murders have happened in the general Moab area. Um, Like last year, um, there was a newlywed lesbian couple um, who were murdered at their campsite um, in the Moab area. But other than that, um, like those type of instances, um, yeah, that hasn't really happened in Arches, like the park itself. There was a freak accident in the park in 2020, and I'm gonna pull up the article where I found that. This is from the Denver Post. Um, Apparently there was a newlywed couple from Denver that were uh, vacationing in Arches National Park um, in the summer of 2020. Um, I'm gonna butcher the last names if I say them. So I'm not even going to try, but the woman's name was Esther and her husband's name was Ludovic. I think I said that right. Um, and this is, gets a little slight gruesome warning, I guess. Like if you have kids in the room, like it doesn't get super graphic, but it's just a little violent. But it was a freak accident. And in the Denver Post, it says the incident happened June 13th, just before 2 p.m., as the couple were leaving the park, according to the claim. A video of the crash shows uh, the man was driving and the woman was in the front passenger seat as they drove toward the gate at about the same speed as other vehicles, according to a sheriff's report. Without warning, a gust of wind apparently dislodged the arm of the metal gate, which swung into the car's path. There was less than a second between the gate between when the gate started to move and when it struck the car and killed Esther, according to the report. Park staff told investigators the gate was usually left unsecured and that typically the gate's own weight kept it in place, so it was not locked in place by any other means. For want of an $8 basic padlock, our world lost an extraordinary warrior for good, the claim said. Uh, Ludovic and Esther's parents have filed a $270 million wrongful death claim um, against the park, alleging that the gate should have been secured to prevent it from swinging into the road. So that's tragic and so scary. Like, I didn't know I needed to be so fearful of metal gates, but now I have that strange phobia to add to my list, but that's super unfortunate. But that happened in 2020. And then let's see. Okay, so there is a conspiracy theory that arches is fake. (laughs) Like, the arches themselves are fake and not real. Like, man constructed by, like, concrete. Um, If you live in Utah, if you've ever been to Utah, there's a, like, putt-putt golf place called Boondocks that has, like, a big fake delicate arch 
that you can like play golf through or whatever. Um, and people kind of theorize something like that, you know, it's like just a really elaborate scheme to like, you know, scam people out of money. Uh, so that was kind of wild. Um, especially since the park has been around since, you know, well, it's been a monument since the 1920s. So yeah, it's a little, little far-fetched to me, but that theory is out there nonetheless. Um, yeah. And then as far as my recommendations for the park, uh, bring tons of water, like however much water you think you'll need, double that and then still bring extra. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Um, it is a very harsh desert landscape, especially if you go during the summertime, which I think the official seasons from April to October or it might be May through October. But I mean, of course, like the summer months are the most popular time to go. It is also extremely hot and there is little to no shade in the actual park. So prepare accordingly, just tons of water, bring snacks, um, keep yourself hydrated and well-fed, sunscreen, hats, shade shirts, just protect yourself against the sun as well as you can. I would also recommend being in the park at sunset to watch the sunset, even if that means going into the park earlier in the day and then leaving and going back. Um, it's really beautiful. Just the whole, the whole park just kind of lights up with all the sunset colors and it's absolutely stunning. So don't miss that. Um, it is also very fun to go later at night, like 10, 11 PM, um, and stargaze that I did that um, two years ago when we went for a honeymoon and that was super fun. It's absolutely stunning. We saw countless comets and shooting stars. Like it was amazing. Probably the best starscape I think I've ever seen. Though I will say it is very eerie to go there at night. If you've been in arches at night, you probably know what I'm talking about. And for me, it wasn't like a creepy, like, I don't know, like skinwalkers are out there type feeling. It was more of like a, I don't know, like it's just, it's just weird because it's pitch black dark out there, but you could still see like the faint outlines of the arches and the rock formations and stuff. And so it just kind of looks like there's these giant looming figures (laughs) in the background. So it just, I don't know, it's a little, little eerie, but it is worth it to go and stargaze if you can. And then as oh and then as far as hiking um some people say it's overhyped but i think it's worth it um i would definitely recommend going to delicate arch hike um but if you go go in the morning like as early in the morning as you can because it gets hot very fast and it's like a, a around three miles round trip but don't be fooled. It is very difficult. At least it was very difficult for me. Um, cause I mean, I, again, it's only three miles round trip, but it is going uphill on very slick rock and sand and dirt. So it's pretty strenuous. It's not your average hike, you know, so just be prepared for that. But it is, I think the payoff is worth it. Um, yeah. And if you go early enough in the morning, Hopefully the temperatures will be low and hopefully the crowds will be low too. Um, 
we did have to wait in line for maybe like 10, 20 minutes to like take a picture with the arch. But it was actually kind of a nice break because everyone just kind of sits on the rock um, and waits their turn, you know? So it's a nice, nice way to take a break. Um, and it, really awesome pictures from it too. So do that if you can. And then as far as in Moab, um, the Moab Rock Shop is super fun. They always, every time we've gone there, they've had some really cool stuff. We have several pieces from that shop. Um, it's also fun to take kids in. Um, so that's that's a cool place to go. Um, then as far as dining, we really like the Moab Diner. Um, the green chili fries specifically, or green chili anything there is incredible. So go there. And then for an extra little excursion outside of the park uh, for extra arches and other cool sites and hikes, um, if you go on Potash Road, which I think starts, if I'm, I'm trying to rem remember from memory, I believe at the beginning of that road starts like pretty much across the street from Arches. I could be wrong, but it's around that area. But if you find the beginning of Potash Road and you take that and just, you basically just follow the Colorado River to the end of that road. I think it ends up in like a parking lot where there's like river access. But if you just take that road, like along the way, there's so many cool things. Like there's petroglyphs right off the side of the road and like the rock face facing the road that you can just pull over and go check out. Um, there's, you can hike Corona Arch, which I haven't personally done, but I've heard it's super beautiful and worth it. So look more into that if you're interested in that. Um, there's also Longbow Arch. Again, I haven't done that one personally, but I've heard good things. A jug Handle Arch is visible right off the road. Um, and there's also a dinosaur track hike. Um, it's at the Poison Spider Mesa Trailhead. So just look for signs. Just drive that road and look for signs. It's super fun. Just cool little detour if you want a little bit of extra arch hiking content. Um, yeah, it's a nice little, nice little detour. I'm going to go into the ghost stories. Um, well, I guess it's one, one ghost story, one paranormal story, and one UFO story. Okay. I'm going to start with the UFO. Um, so there have been many UFO sightings above the Moab area, like tons and tons, but only one has been caught on camera. Um, and it was actually caught on drone footage while someone was trying to capture the sunset. And I actually watched the footage and it's super interesting because, I mean, it's just drone footage of like the sunset over the Mesa, but then these two like disc looking things just like shoot by the camera. Um, one like one happens and then like two seconds later, another one happens. And so that's kind of interesting if you're into UFOs and UFO stating stuff. Um, should look up that video. It's pretty cool. And then for the paranormal story, I found this on a blog post. Um, it was like an anonymous submission on a blog post. So take this with a grain of salt. Take, I mean, really take any of like the ghost story, paranormal stories with a grain of salt, you know, like 
people could be making stuff up. It also could be real though. So like, I don't know. I think it's interesting to learn about these things. So hopefully, hopefully you like these things too if you're here. But here's the paranormal story. So they say, I was deep in the outback of Moab on an ATV several years ago. I stopped and decided to take a small hike. 30 minutes into the hike, I can't point, pinpoint where I was exactly, but out of the corner of my eye, I caught what I thought was a huge lizard scramble up the red rock. The hair on my body suddenly stood out, and I swear I saw a lizard man-like creature look down from above and disappear. I truly believe I saw a quote-unquote skinwalker in broad daylight that day. Freaky. I would never, as much as I, as much as I love Moab and arches, I would never go back. I think if I saw something like that, that would freak me out too bad. I am a scaredy cat when it comes to stuff like that. Wow. It, which, I mean, new thing about Utah, you also know that Skinwalker Ranch is also in Utah, just, you know, more north. So that's interesting. I don't know. I don't think that the idea that humanoid creatures, like, that aren't us, like humans, like, I, I don't think it's too far out there to say that other humanoid creatures exist, you know, because this world's so big. It is so big. And these national parks are so dense. Like, surely we do not know everything about the world. You know what I mean? I don't know. Okay, so... And the ghost story, uh, this has to do with Moab, not Arches itself, but Moab. So they say, years ago, a family with six boys lived in the Moab farmhouse that is now Jeffrey's Steakhouse. A young, terminally ill girl lived next door. The boys took turns each night reading stories to the girl until she passed. Soon after, it is said that her ghost began visiting the farmhouse and continues to visit Jeffrey's, looking for the boys to read her a story. Um, apparently as of the time this story was told, I think this was like two years ago. Um, at that time, every employee at the steakhouse had had some kind of experience with the ghost. The prep cook at the time had experienced items being moved around in the kitchen. And one of the waiters said that they saw the figure of a girl going up the stairs to what they call the ghost bar. It's like an upstairs lounge area. Um, but when he went to see who it was, no one was there. So that's all I really had as far as ghost, paranormal, and UFO sightings in the park. But yeah, so that's all I have today. Um, again, I was kind of shocked at like the lack of ghost content and like true crime content in the park itself. But again, it makes sense considering there's so much wide open spaces. But anyways... Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening. Um, feels really cheesy to say this, but don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help podcasts um, just across the board, whether it's big or small. Um, and since I'm just kind of starting out, it's kind of a big deal, you know, when people do that. So yeah, tell your friends. Um, if you have any suggestions for future episodes or, or if I miss anything too, Um, I wouldn't be opposed to doing a second part to this episode, talking about other stories, but, um, yeah, I will have the, the website up and running within the next week. 
and a new episode will be coming uh, every Monday. So thanks for being here. Have a good week.